Welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith, Edinburgh. This podcast features edited highlights from our all-age Sunday morning service held on March the 27th, 2022. To find out how to join us and for more general information, please go to www.stjamesleith.org.uk. Judith and I'm leading the service this morning because Ian, our rector, has gone on holiday and a a much needed break, I can tell you. And uh, we pray for him that he and and Fiona have a really great two weeks together down in Cornwall. Uh, So I'm leading the service and Jo will be reflecting for us. And I know she's got some exciting things in store for us. So... um, We may feel small in number at the moment, but it's going to be a really fun service, and we're going to do some really crazy things, so thanks, Joe. It is an all-age service, um, and so the emphasis will be on all of us, from the oldest to the youngest. Um, And the theme is modelling grace. So, yes, you do not know how literally you're going to model grace, do you? (laughs) Until later on. And, of course, today is Mothering Sunday. Well, before we we came to church, uh, Geoffrey explained to me in great detail what the liturgical understanding in the Anglican church is and why the church is called Mothering Sunday. And of course, I completely forgot it. And actually, I think partly I deliberately ignored him (laughs) because I like to think that we might call it Nurturing Sunday. Every single one of us here has been given the gift of being able to be a nurturer, whether man or woman or trans, or bi, or non-gender, we are all given the gift of being nurturers for one another in our community and out into the wider world. So for me this morning, it's Nurturing Sunday, not Mothering Sunday. (laughs) Sorry, Geoffrey. (laughs) So let's have a moment of quiet while we light the candle. And those of you at home, if I'd like to invite you to to light your candles as well while we light the candle and hear the singing bowl before we start our service. standing as we do our confession and absolution 
and moments quiet. I used to say, well, perhaps you'd like to think over the last week, but actually that's a crazy thing to do, isn't it? Because who of us can actually really recognize our true state in front of the Lord, which is actually completely because of his grace. So let's just stand for a minute before the God who loves us wholly and without question and without judgment. So I think it'd probably be okay if you wanted to sit down during this. <laughs> and you can sit down at home too. Glory to Christ our Saviour. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Are you sitting comfortably? There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property among them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he'd spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He actually would have gladly filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, oh, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare, and here am I, dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off, and he went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and, and get the fatted calf and kill it. 
and let's eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now, the elder son was still in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he's got him back safe and sound. Then the son became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen, for all these years, I've been working like a slave for you and I've never disobeyed your command and yet you've never given me even a young goat so that I can celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and he's been found. This is the gospel. Good news for all. Praise to you, Christ. Shall we pray? O oh Lord, open our eyes that we may, be, may see wonderful things in your word. Amen. So, the story we've just heard is probably one of the most important stories in the entire Bible. So I hope you were listening carefully. And why? Because it tells us about what God is like. And if you want to know how God feels about you and about how much you are worth in God's eyes, this story is for you. Now the story begins when the younger son asks his father for his inheritance now, and he gets it. Now, that might not sound too crazy to our 21st century ears, but it was in the time of Jesus. We might think that this is just a really cool and helpful dad who wants to give his son a good start in life while he is young. But judging by it on today's standards, we miss the point about what really happens in this scene. Because what Jesus is describing in this story would have been outrageous and scandalous to the people who heard it. You see, no one in the Middle East would ask this of their father. Because to ask this... To ask for the inheritance early would be tantamount to expressing a death wish for the father. But to everyone's shock and amazement, the father agrees. Now, this would mean that he would have to sell a large part of his land and he'd have to sell off some of his animals. Now, this would be really serious because the family's estate was a significant part of a Middle Easterner's personal identity and reflected his standing in the community. But nevertheless, 
he does it, and the son goes off to a far-off land where he squandered his wealth in wild living. He wasted it. And when it was all gone, he was forced to take a job no self-respecting Jewish boy could accept, working feeding the pigs. It's a terrible job, and it doesn't pay enough to stave off the hunger that had hit the land he was living in. He realises that there's no life for him in this foreign land, so he comes up with a plan. He'll go home and throw himself at his father's feet and admit he was a fool. And instead of asking to be reinstated as a son, he'll ask to be hired as the lowest of the servants. Now, his father, meanwhile, has not given up hope about his wayward son. And he's constantly looking out for him. Now, by rights and standards of the time, he should have cut him out of the family. But this father is not like that. Instead, to the eyes of those who heard this story, he behaves outrageously. Now, what does that mean? Well, the first thing he does, which was so outrageous, is he runs. Runs? Is that outrageous? Well, it would have been in those days. Because no oriental nobleman with flowing robes would ever run anywhere. It's not very becoming. But this father lifts up his robe and shock, horror, exposes his ankles. Can you imagine it? And he runs down the road in front of all the villagers. Now Aristotle, the Greek philosopher, said, great men never run in public. So there you are, it was outrageous. But this father, he runs, and Jesus explains why. He says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he was filled with compassion for him. He was filled with compassion. He doesn't care that he's creating a spectacle of himself. He, is, he cares about this son. Now imagine it for just a minute from the son's perspective. As he comes to the edge of the village, he expects to see angry faces. But instead, what he sees coming towards him are the ankles of his father. And to his utter amazement, he finds a visible demonstration of the love of his father. Words can't express what this scene conveys. You can only imagine it in your mind. Now, the second scandalous thing that the father does in public is he kisses his son in public. Can you imagine it? It would have been a scandal. He ran to his son, he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. Can you picture it? They're embracing eye to eye, shoulder to shoulder. In his mind, the son had pictured himself coming home and falling at his father's feet, 
But the father won't let him do that. He puts his arms around him and he kisses him on both cheeks. In fact, he kisses him a lot because the Greek word that is used here is kataphilu, which means to kiss and kiss again. How scandalous. All he can do, all the son can do at this point, is to accept this love. But what about the speech he had prepared, asking for a job as the lowest ranking servant in the household? Well, he didn't get a chance to blurt it out. So overwhelmed was he by his father's love. Now the third outrageous thing that the father does is to call for the best robe and put it on him. And who do you think owns the best robe in the family? The father, of course. The father wants everyone to know that this son is accepted. Then, another outrageous thing, the father calls, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Now, the ring is probably a signet ring. It's the ring the father would use to sign all the documents. This shows that the son is trusted and empowered. He's an important member of this family. And what about the sandals? Another outrageous thing. Well, they're a sign that he's a free man, not a servant. Because servants in those days didn't have shoes. They walked barefoot. And finally, the father says, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Now note, it's not the fatted goat or the fatted sheep or the fatted chicken. Why is it a calf? Because a calf had enough meat on it to feed the whole village. Do you see what the father is doing? He's inviting everyone to share his joy. Do you see what Jesus is doing with this story? He's communicating to every person who ever wanted to take a step towards God how significant we are to him. He doesn't just wait for us. He runs to us. He kisses us. He puts a robe on us and a ring on our finger and sandals on our feet because God wants us to be welcomed home. He wants us to be welcomers and he wants to welcome us. Now this is not a picture of God his hearers would be used to. To them, God was a mighty, macho, judging God to be worshipped at a distance. But this picture is of a mother and father God, loving and nurturing who loves us, whoever we are, wherever we come from, whatever we've done. It's an outrageous love, an extravagant, crazy kind of love that looks out for us and welcomes us home. And it's a wonderful picture of God's grace, a gift that cannot be earned. Grace is the model we should live by, Outrageous love, accepted, 
and being accepting a model for us to live by. Amen. Now, last week, Suzanne led the children in a, a music workshop. And we had a great time outside. And we, we made up a song. And we're going to have its premiere today. Um, Daniel was with us. I don't know if you want to come out to the front, Daniel, but you may not, so that's fine. And we've got some instruments you could maybe choose from if you want to. And Suzanne has, has made a video for us. Oh, that's what I thought. Oh, okay, okay, sorry. <laughs> um, so we're going to listen to the song. It's very easy. But just a little bit of background first, and that was that we wanted to think about what our mothers and our parents and our nurturing God does for us. And we decided it was a crazy love. It was a big love. And we thought about things that our parents do for us, and this is what we came up with. So I'll hand over to Rosina. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that wonderful model of grace that we heard in our Bible reading this morning. We thank you that you love us so very, very much. What we have modelled with our hands, may we model in our hearts and may we model in our lives as we go out from this place. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And Frank's now going to lead us in our prayers. Um, the outrageous thing as we sat for the gospel, and so you're allowed to open your eyes as we do our prayers if you want to look at one of the, one of the images. Um, so, um, uh, and in our responses, um, uh, I'm going to say, extravagant God, by your grace, and you'll say, may all be welcomed home. Extravagant God, by your grace, may all be welcomed home. So let's pray. Come, let us celebrate the forgiving, reconciling love of God. Lord God, today, this morning, we celebrate in our hearts because you welcome us home. You can't help it. Your nature is to welcome, to forgive. With you, there's no quibbling, no half measures, no hesitation. No matter where 
we've been what we have done. You embrace us. You kiss us. You put the best cloak on us. You put a ring on our finger, sandals on our feet. And you prepare a feast for us. And we celebrate that today. And we pray that that outrageous, crazy grace may be seen in our world. We pray for an end to the many cycles of hatred and strife. We bring before you many places like Palestine, Myanmar, Yemen, Northern Ireland, and other places. We pray in each of these that both sides would come to their senses and turn round, and that both sides would show grace to the other. As unreasonable and crazy as it sounds, may they welcome each other. May there be peace and reconciliation. And we dare to pray the same thing for Ukraine today. We pray for an end to bloodshed. First of all, an end to bloodshed. And we dare to pray ultimately for peace, for reconciliation. And as you are extravagant in welcoming us, Help us as a country to know how to welcome those in need wherever they come from. Extravagant, extravagant God, by your grace, may all be welcomed home. And Jesus, thank you that you modeled perfect grace. You welcomed everyone for real. You, just didn't, you didn't just talk about it. And we pray for your church. May we who use your name, model your grace. Forgive us when that's not been the case. Forgive us where there's division, where there's bitterness, between churches, within churches. May we all both come to our senses and turn round, but also welcome the others, not reluctantly, but extravagantly and with all our hearts. Extravagant God, by your grace, may all be welcomed home. And we pray today for those in a distant land, at their wits' end, sad, distressed, downhearted, whether that be ourselves or someone we know or both. May they and we come home. May they and we know that you don't care where we've been, what we have done. May they and we feel your embrace, your kiss. Feel the cloak on our back, the ring on our finger, the sandals on our feet. And may we hear the music and the dancing. And may we smell the feast in preparation. In a moment of quiet, let's bring to God those on our hearts and ourselves. Extravagant God, by your grace, may all be welcomed home. Amen. Thank you so much, Joe, and thank you so much, Frank. And uh, that was amazing. I think these are really quite profound. So thank you so much. And also, uh, yeah, for, for challenging us. <laughs> um, we now come to share our time of peace and uh, as Frank has said, we're doing things slightly unusually today, so I'm actually going to ignore 
that it says the peace of the Christ be always with you and also with you because what I wanted to read to you was just a, something very small out of the city is my monastery. Now I know that all of us will be familiar with, um, Ian has been asking us to say namaste to one another. I never quite understood what it meant. I've got it explained here. Um, our gospel is not words in a book. It is flesh and blood encounter with Christ, sacrament. In India, at the side of the road, anyone you encounter, we bow to each other. I bow to you. It is a sign of the recognition of the divine presence in the other. Namaste, I see you. If we saw the presence of God in one another, how different our world would be if only we realize that our bodies are living sacrifices. So I thought that we would say, I see you, because we've been talking about grace, and the grace of God in us means that each one of us holds within us the beauty of Christ. And so rather than passing one, one another the peace, I thought this morning <clears throat> we could say, I see you, I see you to one another. So let's just stand and... Uh, um, we'll turn towards those at home and which camera am I using Jeffrey that one so we we'll turn towards those at home and let the, those of you at home also say I see you so that we really look at one another and say to each other that we see each, we see God in each one of us so we'll look at everybody at home and say I see you and then we'll I, see you. I see you I see you I see you, I see you.